let's turn now to Genesis chapter 25, where we can read about, read our scripture, starting with verse 19 and then reading through verse 34. Beginning to read then with verse 19 of the 25th chapter. This is the genealogy of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham begat Isaac. Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah as wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian, of Padan Aram, the sister of Laban, the Syrian. Now, Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his plea, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. But the children struggled together within her, and she said, If all is well, why am I like this? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. So when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red. Uh, he was like a hairy garment all over, so they called his name Esau. Afterward his brother came out, and his hand took hold of Esau's heel, so his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. So the boys grew and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob was a mild man, dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Now Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, Sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, Look, I am about to die. So what is this birthright to me? Then Jacob said, Swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and the stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank, arose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. May uh, the blessing of God be upon this reading that we have today. May we understand more about the family through studying uh, this incident. Mm. Now, as we look at um, Isaac's family, we've, we've looked at Abraham a number of different uh, scenarios with Ab Abraham's life and how his family either succeeded or foundered based upon his behavior. Yet over it all, we saw how God was with him, and God blessed him, and how God's concern and God's blessing was upon Abraham's family. God announced this first to Abraham when he first called him. He announced it by word, and then he worked it out in life. And much as he does with all of us who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. God announces all kinds of blessings to those. Like in Psalm 1, Blessed is the man who walketh not, in the council of the ungodly, who sits in the seats of the seats of the scornful. And so uh, God tells us that he will bless us, then he does it. And so he did with Abraham and his family. Now as we come to uh, Isaac, uh, we see the opening up through Isaac's ch uh, children 
we see uh, the opening up of this more of the promise of God, the, the, the blessing him like the stars of the sky with descendants and the stands of the seashore. We see this begin to open up because uh, Isaac only has two children, but one of those two children, Jacob, well, through, through both of the children, there are uh, 12 more children that are born, and they become the 12 tribes of Israel. So we, be, we begin to see the fullness of God's blessing through uh, the life of Isaac, and especially through uh, Jacob and Joseph, who are the, the two ch children that are most blessed, or the children and the grandchildren of Isaac that are most blessed. Uh, so when I think of when I think of Isaac, I think of a young man who um, had a, had a number of problems. He he did not have this pure, straight personality to begin with. Uh, we see here that he cheated his brother out of his birthright. Now we're going to study more about that. We're going to see that his brother had more than enough to do with it. Esau had more than enough to do with it. But still, uh, Esau, I mean Isaac, manipulated Esau and his base desires so that Esau gave up something very easily which he should have cherished. Now when I think about this, uh, I think of the, the whole life of Isaac and how Isaac began in this first stage of his life, being willing to twist the ends and to work the means so that he might get what he wanted. Part of the blessing was that he knew what he should want. He, he aspired unto great things. He aspired unto God's blessing. That was part of the, the good stuff. But we see where he worked through all kinds of issues and difficulties. We think of how Isaac was had to run when, 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 uh, when Esau later on in life got angry at him and Isaac was or, um, uh, uh, Jacob was afraid that he would that Esau would want to kill him. He ran and he ran for 20 years. He served his uncle Laban to, to obtain his wife Rachel. So we see that God uh, God in many ways disciplined uh, Jacob for the the, the vagaries and the misbehaviors of his youth and his cheating his brother out of this birthright. Uh, but at the same time, we see through Isaac's long life, we see greater and greater blessings all the time. We see this man, this father, if you will, here as we celebrate Father's Day on the Lord's Day, we see how uh, Isaac was was discipled more and more and sanctified more and more by the Lord. So when I think of Isaac in my mind's eye, if I want to encapsulate his whole life, I think of Isaac uh, coming to Egypt because it's been reported to him that his son Joseph, who was sold by his brothers into slavery in Egypt, that he was still alive. And so I think of Isaac coming to Egypt, and then when he first laid eyes on the son that he thought was dead, Joseph, his eyes uh, are, are wet with tears of thanksgiving. By this time in his life, Isaac has been greatly sanctified. He was a great man of God by this time, but the Lord was still bringing him through and finishing, bringing to conclusion some of the trials that the Lord brought him through. 
And so when we think of Isaac and his family, we think of all of the twists and the turns. Isaac's life was not straight, a straight line. God brought him through all kinds of twists and turns. And at the end of his life, he was certainly one of the great patriarchs. He was akin to Abraham in terms of his godliness and sanctification. And it was a blessed thing. We can all aspire to this and we can think to ourselves, it would be far better to just do what God says and, uh, and, and wait for God to work these things out rather than trying to cut short corners and shortcuts and that sort of thing and work them out ourselves. We see in Isaac's life, we see the blessing of God, but we also see the confusions. And we see how it took him a long time to learn his lesson. So as children growing up in this world, we need to learn lessons from these people at the same time that we realize that it's the, 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 the generative energy of Christ because Christ was behind all of the good stuff. Christ was behind all the blessings of the covenant. Christ was behind this, this uh, storyline of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that led them to the place of even greater blessing later on in their lives. So we come here today at the very beginning of this procedure or this development, when Isaac is uh, uh, 40 and then 76 years old, as he, he, he gets married at 40 to this, um, to this wonderful girl, Rebecca. We had the sermon on that last week about how God worked that out, how God sent, how, how Abraham sent his servant, his blessed servant, way to the east, many, many days, many weeks trip there that he might obtain a bride for Isaac and then how he worked it out and, and uh, in God's providence he it was like a magical story of how uh, the, the servant identified uh, Rebecca and Rebecca was a sanctified young woman she was ready to go with the servant and uh, she put on the jewelry that he brought her from Isaac and went, and they began their lives together. So here we see it. Uh, we see it some uh, sometime later uh, when uh, she was now pregnant. But we find, well, first of all, we find regarding Isaac's family that Isaac's family needed prayer. Isaac's family needed prayer. Why did they need prayer? Because uh, Rebecca came. She was a, a beautiful young woman. She. She looked like she was nubile and able to bear many children to Isaac. But guess what happened? As they made love and tried to have babies, nothing came forth. And uh, we would be utterly shocked at this if we heard the story. And they were probably utterly shocked, except for the fact that what? Isaac's mother, Sarah, had been barren for over 70 years. And then God had blessed them with a child toward the end of their existence. What was God trying to teach them by that? What was God trying to teach Sarah? God was trying to teach them that life, that the, 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 the magic of life or the secret of life was not in their loins. It wasn't in their reproductive organs. The secret of life was held in the hands of the Lord. It was restricted to what God decreed. And so when she was some 70 years old, uh, God came to her and told her that 
this was the time that she was going to become pregnant now with a child. And even though Abraham was way past his uh, virile years, and she was past her the years of productivity for a woman, uh, the God who was in control of all life, he was going to open her womb and make her able to bear a child. And so uh, as this happened to Isaac and his wife, how Isaac must have thought to himself, wow, <laughs> it was something, it was a must, it was enough of a problem for my mother, uh, Sarah, but God is doing the same thing to me and my wife. God, God is trying to teach me things about where life comes from and who is ultimately in control of life and the productivity of life and the blessings of life. So uh, that's the way God worked it. And so when Abraham, when Isaac realizes this in verse 21, he, it says, um, I, lo I love the way this is developed. It says, now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And, and the Lord granted his plea. So uh, Isaac knew where to go. He knew what to say. He knew what prayer he should utter. He pleaded with the Lord uh, on behalf of his wife because it says uh, she was barren. And um, as, uh, as, uh, as Isaac did this, he knew who the Lord was. He knew uh, how to address the Lord. Uh, we know that uh, the Lord had already blessed him so much with the obtaining of Rebecca, this young woman uh, of his love. And, and so um, it was a kind of a continuous strength, uh, skein of, of prayer cloth whereby we might see the, the, uh, the blessings of God, but only through prayer. And so he prayed to the Lord and the Lord opened Rebecca's womb. Um, God forced both of these generations to see that life was bound up with him and with his great sovereign power over it. Can we not learn that ourselves, whether it's jobs that we're interested in or our, our families, a family blessing, uh, whether it's the great twists and turns of our life, whether it's the way the world treats us and the, the justice that we get from the world, can we not see that the Lord often allows us or, or drives us through the most torturous road or along the most torturous road to come out where we think we want to come out. What is, what is bothering you in your life? Is it some issue of education? Is it some issue of a job? We see in the life of the patriarchs that God did not always bless the people immediately or easily. But he, may, he forced them to go through a stages of, and steps of difficulty. Should that not encourage us then? It's not out of a lack of love that God goes slow with us or does not give us the things that we might want right away. It's not out of a lack of love. It's just out of his own wisdom, his own sovereign discretion that he puts us through these hoops. And so Isaac's family needed a prayer. They, they, he prayed as the patriarch, and God answered him. Now, uh, we see, secondly, that Isaac's family had a prophecy over them. Uh, when, when, uh, when, when Rebecca was pregnant, as early as the boys started moving within her, and they were twin boys in her womb, but as, as, as long as they, kept, they moved, they, they, were, they were more 
tumultuous within her womb than is normal. And she said in the scriptures, um, she said in verse 22, uh, if all is well, why am I like this? I mean, she knew something about childbirth. She knew what was normal for children in the womb. And these boys were behaving differently. They were, they were struggling in the womb with each other. It's really amazing. And it's somewhat humorous even, except that unless you were Rebecca and you were, you were <laughs> struggling with this, this rough pregnancy. But she was wise enough to know. And so she went to the Lord and uh, she said, uh, so she went to inquire of the Lord. And in verse 23, it says, the Lord said to her, uh, two nations are in your womb. Two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. Well, we know ultimately what happened was that Esau uh, left the covenant community of Israel and uh, fathered a whole nation called the Edomites. One, one of the names that he got was Edom uh, from um uh, this reddish look that he had, and uh, as and when he was born, and also the um, the uh, the ruddy way that he um, appeared uh, when he was um, uh, when he grew, and so uh, when he took hold, uh, or when he when he was born, and so uh, he he became the father of this whole tribe, and they were called the Edomites. And if you've read your Bibles or you know something about the Bible, you know that the Edomites were one of the proverbial enemies or the historic enemies of the Israelites. And so God says, in, as the boys struggled in Rebekah's womb, God says this prefigures this historical struggle that would ensue. Now at first, I mean, for most of his life, uh, Esau, even though he lived apart from the family to the east, on Mount, in Mount Seir, uh, even though he was a part, he, there was also a friendship there with uh, his father's family. And he, when uh, when Isaac is buried, uh, Edom, uh, Esau is there with uh, Jacob to bury him. So it's not like he was totally uh, disenfranchised or totally separate from his family while they were alive. But the idea is that he did father this nation of this people that were, were uh, off from Israel. And the, the longer time went on, the more these people developed jealousies against the Israelites, against the old family of Esau, and they became more and more problematic. <clears throat> now, how would, uh, how would Isaac deal with all this? And we see what happened was that uh, Isaac, as he developed, he, he became the favorite of his mother, Esau, because he was ruddy, he was more masculine in some sen outward senses, uh, he became the father, the, the favor of his father. Now, why did Isaac uh, favor the son whom God had made a prophecy about that he was going to be uh, just a little bit uh, wild and uh, apparently wander from the covenant community? Uh, this is a, another problem of, of Isaac's earlier life when he did not pay so much attention to this. Um, uh, Rebecca uh, loved uh, Isaac more. She was more in tune with the covenant that God had pronounced here in this prophecy. But the, what we see is that the, co the covenant, the, the, the prophecy basically works out ultimately. 
And, and Esau does not is not counted as an Israelite at the end of his life, but an Edomite. And Isaac uh, or Jacob is not counted as uh, uh, as a foreigner, but as a covenant man. And, and Isaac, despite their despite some of their misbehavior or their wanderings earlier in their lives. The third thing we see here is that the two boys became symbolic of what we call uh, predestination and reprobation in the Bible. Predestination is the idea that God sets his love upon people before they are even born and then works out in terms of his providences and his ministrations, he works out those blessings upon the elect or the, or the predestinated. He works it out upon them as they, as they grow. On the other hand, God also teaches that uh, he uh, counts certain people as reprobate or uh, unblessed or cursed. And so at the very beginning of their life, there's this distinction made, and this is fully explained in the book of Romans, in the New Testament, uh, about halfway through, where God says, uh, 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 Jacob have I loved, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Now this has been a tremendous um, puzzle to people ever since. It sounds like God is saying that no matter what Esau tried to do, God was going to put the hammer down on Esau, and no matter what Isaac did in a bad or Jacob did in a bad fashion, God was going to bless him. It's not. It's not, it's, it's a great oversimplification of what happened. But it does indicate that God is, has a sovereign choice over us and that God works out his sovereign choice through us in a way that, does, that is not unjust against him or unjust against our desires. You see, like in this case, it wasn't that Esau went out in the field and hunted and then he came back and he wanted he wanted to... He really esteemed this birthright of his. He was really pure as the driven wind. And when he, when Isaac suggest, when Jacob suggested that um, that he uh, sell his birthright, uh, Esau said, "No way! You know, I'm not going to do that. What are you trying to do to me? You're trying to cheat me? Uh, no. He, he he. If anything, Esau went, not only went along with it, but he was eager that it might be done." Uh, in the in the way that God works out His predestination and His reprobation <coughs> upon us, He works it out in a very natural way, so that we ourselves make all the decisions that are required to bring either God's blessings or curses upon us. But we know that the energy for that comes from God Himself. After the fall, we are prone. All of us are prone to be wayward, to wander from the Lord, to be afraid of the Lord. And so if God does not enter in, if God does not enter interfere with us and these negative tendencies in our hearts to bring us back in the way of righteousness, we run with all of our energy in the direction of misbehavior and, um, and uh, ruin against the Lord. But... Um, on the other hand, if, uh, if God is with us, he does interfere with our lives. Uh, like with David, he, and with, here in this case with 
with Jake, with Isaac first, and then with uh, Jacob. Uh, God interferes, like with Abraham before them. God interferes in our lives, and he, he corrals us like a wild horse and teaches us bit by bit how to be uh, loving of him. And so, um, <clears throat> in terms of uh, the divine reprobation, we see all the faults here of Esau. Esau, as he developed, he... He wasn't a boy that liked to read the scriptures. He liked to be outside. He liked to be running out. He liked to learn how to hunt and fish and these kinds of things. He was more interested in the creatures that God had made than with the creator who made them. Uh, uh, Jacob, I mean Isaac, was more subdued. Uh, the, the Bible says here, uh, regarding um, regarding uh, Isaac, um, that um, as they grew, that Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the hill, but but Jacob was a mild man. And the the word mild is, is a hard word in Hebrew to really de define carefully, because it it doesn't it doesn't just mean mild in the sense of uh, of uh, not a strong desire or not a strong ambition, but it means more of a well-rounded person. A, a, it's a, sometimes it can be translated complete. Uh, it, it, uh, it can be it can be understood as more complex and uh, more developed in a in a cultural way, in in the way of thinking. So Esau appears to be a kind of rough-hewn guy that was more ruddy and more enthusiastic in terms of physical things. And, and Esau, or Isaac appears to be more, I mean, Jacob appears to be more of a thoughtful person, uh, developed, uh, developing that way. And so God just worked through these two personalities, and both of them continued to move in those directions. But ultimately, God takes both Isaac, his father, through the twists and turns of his life, and he takes Jacob then through the twists and turns of his life, and he sanctifies both of them. We think of, of uh, Isaac wrestling with the angels. I mean, uh, uh, Isaac wrestling uh, with uh, the affairs of his life, and with, uh, and then Jacob wrestling with uh, his uncle Laban. We see these different twists and turns of their lives, and how God worked through these wranglings to bring about uh, real sanctification and real righteousness. And so um, it shows, with, I, with Esau, it shows how we are so vulnerable to our fallen natures and we are so vulnerable to uh, God's determinations. What, what, should, what should that do to us? Should it not uh, energize us to seek the Lord with every choice that we have? Uh, the small choices of our lives add up to the bigger choices, the bigger developments of our lives. So when you're making smaller choices and you're tempted to sin, beware of those things. Yesterday we were, uh, we, Susan felt well for the first time all week. We went out to a Burger King. We were at the Burger King and there was a family. There were, there were, there were three children in the family. There were two boys and one girl. And I watched this little girl be, be so troublesome to her brother. She had one older brother and one younger brother. And she would sneak up behind them while, they, while they're ordering in line. 
she'd, she'd kick the one and then run around with her father to the other side. And, and then, then the, when the brother came after her, she'd, she'd, oh, oh, you know, daddy. And then she, but she, I just saw her doing this continually to the two boys. Now, obviously the father should have figured things out a long time ago. He should have, should have seen this sort of thing. But this little girl was a real messer, as the Scots would say. And, uh, and the, 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 uh, you saw some of the misbehavior coming out in the boys, but it was almost always generated or stimulated by the little, little by the sister who was right in the middle of the two. Uh, you know, what do we make of this? You see, all of these little decisions in our lives, when, we, when our conscience speaks to us and says, don't do that, you know, or if you do that, make sure that they know it's for fun and not, you're not trying to get them in trouble or whatever. But when we let ourselves go, then we are cruising for the proverbial bruising, whether immediately from our father or later on by life. And uh, Isaac was like this to some degree, and so was Jacob. But God worked it out for blessing because uh, it, it was in his heart to love Isaac, I mean to love Jacob, even as he uh, had turned his back on Esau and his um, his decadent character that uh, God just chose out of his own sovereignty not to not to change or not to bless. And so uh, this, sto- this story, as we look at it, it has tremendous lessons for us on, on just how uh, our personalities and how God's ultimate choice is sovereign over us. And it ought to soften us, it ought to make us very uh, flexible before the Lord. And very searchable, searching for God's mercy and God's goodness. We ought to be very humble. The Bible says, work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. Work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. We really, brothers and sisters, we really need to be afraid of the Lord in the sense that God is sovereign over us. And God can do whatsoever he would with us. And, and it says that in the book of Romans, that God can, the, uh, Paul asks, can God take uh, one piece of clay and make whatever out of it he wants? What is our concern? What is our fear? That we might not be used, that God might not, not make from us that, that positive, useful utensil out of clay that he could. And every time we have to make a moral decision, every, every time we have to choose whether we go to the right or we go to the left, this kind of thought should be in our minds. Oh, Lord, how can, I, how can I go in the way that you would have me to go? How can I go in the way of righteousness? How can I show my love for you more by going this way or that way? We cannot simply relegate all of these decisions and all of these choices to the dustbin as if they were not significant. At the end of our lives, we will either be people like Esau, who formed a pagan nation that would persecute Israel, or we will be more like uh, Jacob, who became the great patriarch of the 12 tribes of Israel as they inherited the land and as they went forward into history. Which way will we go? Will we love Christ? Will we see how uh, how uh, substantial and how essential our Lord Jesus Christ is to us? Or will we think that he's something to be dispensed with? That he's really not all that significant. That we don't need him. Brothers and sisters, children, if we do not see how crucial 
the power of God is in our lives, if we do not fear the Lord when we make decisions, when we choose this way or that way, that is one of the first signs of reprobation, that we are someone like Esau. May it not be. May none of the children in this church go in that way. May none of the children in the church despise the Lord or not see the cruciality of our Lord Jesus Christ. We must have Christ or we die. And if we have Christ, then we will have life and that abundantly. Let's close in prayer. Our Father and our God, we pray that through these two boys, these twins, and through their father Isaac, we pray that we might see some of these crucial truths, that we might abide by them, that they might be more than simply ideas to us. We pray that they would be part and parcel of the, the, the center of our lives. Bless us, O Christ. Bless us, O Lord, or we shall not be blessed. We must have thee. Bless us then in Christ and inspire us through the lives of both Isaac and his children, Jacob and Esau. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.